You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a Satellite Sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You're listening to Satellite Sisters. So glad you're here with us today. I'm Leon Dolan in Pasadena, California. I'm the youngest sister. I'm a writer. I'm a producer. I have a new book coming out in a couple of weeks. Maybe you've heard. Liz, have you heard, have you heard that? <laughs> I've heard about that. <laughs> I think we just heard in the pre-roll. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Liz? I'm good, Leanne. I'm, and happy International Women's Day to you, Leanne. I am um, I'm Liz Dolan. I'm the middle sister. I am here in Santa Monica, California. And I was thinking about International Women's Day because Julie always tells us what a big deal it is in the rest of the world. But also because, you know, I'm working on the World Championships for track and field this summer. So we announced today that July 18th is going to be Women in the Spotlight Day at the World Champs, even though... In track and field, the women are there every day. That's what's so great about track and field. But but July 18th, if you want to pick like a really fun day to attend, the morning is the women's marathon. In the middle of the day, it's the heptathlon. And at the end of the day, the women's 1500, which is going to be one of the hottest events of the whole world champs. So there you go. Happy International Women's Day. <laughs> Whoa, that was a lot. Hi, this is Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister and I'm in Dallas, Texas, and I'm not writing a book and I'm not organizing the world track and field <laughs> <laughs> but I'm doing my best to hold up this end of the show. And uh, just to say, really, we want to wish everyone in the world and a, a very happy International Women's Day. I've, t- I've talked about it before in many places. It's a combination birthday, Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, all rolled into one. And uh, of course, this t- this year, we are thinking of Ukrainian women and we are just with you and our hearts are with you. Right. Yes, absolutely, yes. Julie. Yeah. yeah, it's. I, I was composing some International Women's Day posts for um, American Women for International Understanding, the NGO I'm a part of, and I do their social media. Not, not that frequently, but I do it, and I didn't. But today's it, a good day to do that. Yeah. It was hard to say Happy International Women's Day on a day like today. So mm-hmm. it was like, here's to a peaceful and productive International Women's Day because uh, we are thinking of the women of Ukraine. Julie, of course, you're going to bring us your unique perspective on what's happening there because <laughs> you lived in Russia. Yeah. So we'll have that later on in the show. Um, let's see. We have some travel tips. Uh, put together a bunch of travel things for domestic travel. So if you're interested in women's history or great food towns, or you want to know, should I use my miles uh, now or should I save them? We're going to tell you all that later. And Julie, Julie is bringing a unique um, travel souvenir. Yes, this is is a new souvenir that you can get on your um, summer trips. Yep. Okay. We have entertaining sisters. Liz, you have a couple of good podcast recommendations. I do. I do. Always looking for new podcasts. Um, but first, Liz, we need to revisit <laughs> revisit um, your encounter at the gym last week. Okay. Sparked quite a debate on it did. social media. Well, I'm just going to say I have two. We know there are a lot of very important things going on in the world. Yeah. And we are going to get to them later in the show. But we are going to start with two trivial tidbits. <laughs> you know, this is even beyond our normal tidbit segment. These are both admittedly not important at all. But we think worth talking about. So yes. So on last week's show, I told you the story of the um, 
the free medical advice. You know, you know how much I love, you know, advice that I have not asked for, especially in the medical realm. People, so I people really don't know how much you don't, <laughs> but it, it's hard to describe as a sister what it's like <laughs> if you try to give Liz Dolan advice, but I just don't ever do it. That's, that's, wouldn't well, you say? You can do it when I ask for it, you know, uh, right? Just that's, that's the appropriate time to give advice is when you are, when your opinion is requested. Anyway, so the I'm I'm in the gym, you know, I'm working out. I have all this PT that I've been doing to rehab my broken leg and broken knee. So I'm doing that. And this man I don't know comes up to me. I'm on one crutch as I'm walking around and which is like the signal to like, I guess that's the signal to give me medical advice. And uh, so he comes up and he says, do you mind if I give you some medical advice or what was his term like free i forget what exactly he said um uh, free medical unsolicited advice and so i wanted to say yes i do mind uh but i didn't i just looked at him like oh and he gave me some advice about how i was moving around and then he explained that he's a retired physical therapist and so whatever so i thought like come on dude yeah whatever but then in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, where many interesting things get talked about, Jean posted, uh, is it possible that the retired PT who gave you the unsolicited advice might have just wanted to meet you? Could it have been an excuse to say hi? And the moment Jean posted that, Emily said, yeah, I thought so too. So did Jane thought so. Mary said, oh, I like this theory. So this theory is blossoming in the, in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. And I just want to say first, in a million years, it never dawned on me that that could be what's happening there. Like, you didn't have your light on, Liz? Whoa, whoa. I don't know. Well, so I'm asking you to because, yeah. you know, you, you know me. Like, should that have dawned on me? That It just did not. Again, I think once I heard the, the phrase like unsolicited advice, I didn't, even if my light had been on, Julie, I turned it off. But I don't know. <laughs> do you do either of you have a theory about what was going on here? Well, uh, first of all, I think the essential difference between you and our sister Sheila is she assumes every man is trying to pick her up. Like she assumes <laughs> yes. and woman for yes. honestly, like yes. every random encounter is someone trying <laughs> to something. hit on her. Yes. yes. So there's just a really big difference between you and Sheila. Yes. Uh, so, um, so that, that being said, um, yeah, Liz, I don't, I think he was just a PT trying to give you advice. I mean, we had yeah. several PTs respond in that thread, like, listen, it's hard for us to turn it off. And yes. I know people feel like they have a professional, you know, they, this body of knowledge that they want to share. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I don't know. We didn't get any physical description. You're terrible at that. You don't remember people's faces. Yeah, I know. I know. You don't ever don't, actually yeah. think about how people look or interact on a physical level. So no, we don't no. know, Liz. We don't, we don't <laughs> no, I mean, Liz, you have to believe in the kindness of strangers, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. you were, and, but I think possibly because of the pandemic has made us so nervous about any kind of in personal encounter uh, that maybe that's why uh, your light was kind of flickering there or, you know, <laughs> but I, and, and I don't know how I'm going to remember who this guy is because a, he was wearing a hat that much. I do remember B we were both masked. So 
even if I bump into him again, I'm not, there's no way I, I would not. I, I think, no. I, right. I think, you know, I think you should be on the lookout for him and uh, see where it goes, Liz. <laughs> what do you have to lose, right? That's true. That's true. Anyway, thank, thank you, Jean, for raising the issue that maybe I just was not paying attention to si- signals I should have been more aware of and everyone who jumped on board with that. I will let you know if anything develops there. That would be, that would be surprising, but okay. Um, so that is uh, trivial item number one. Feel free to continue to weigh in on that. Okay, now item number two. You guys have both had the pickleball experience. We were talking about pickleball, pickleball on the show a few weeks ago. We even have a very kind listener, Lian, who sent you some pickleball merch, correct? Yeah, which was a huge hit with real pickleballers. I re-gifted it, you know, willingly and knowingly. And uh, yeah, fun t-shirts with pickleball jokes on them. Okay, so this is, so this is now, I'm looking at the front page, people, the front page of the Los Angeles Times on Thursday, March 3rd. So last Thursday, big headline, pickleball's racket problem. It's accessible, fun, and loud. Neighbors across the country are suing over the noise. So let me just give you a few details, then you can comment. A democratizing sport with a low barrier to entry, anyone can pick up pickleball without spending money uh, or taking years of lessons. The rules are easy to learn, blah, 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 blah. But as a result of the rapid rise of the game and the decibel level and the crowds and vocal advocacy it generates, it's precipitated an intense backlash in communities across the country. There's a lawsuit here in Newport Beach, California, not far from where I live. Another lawsuit, a South Carolina couple filed suit against a country club near their home, alleging, I loved this detail, that, quote, late night pickleball games caused unreasonable interference, interference with their enjoyment of their property. So, okay, pickleballers, Leon and Julie, Seriously, we're going to seriously. Yeah. Well, first of all, uh, a pickleball is loud, right, Land? I mean, it is you. It's the pa- it's the paddles the, uh, and the balls and people are having a lot of fun, Liz. OK, and there's nothing better than a late night pickleball game, Liz, because <laughs> there's usually cocktails involved as well. Oh. Okay, okay. Uh, but right. those are so I, I I really believe that this is a noise issue. I can understand that uh, it is the fastest growing sport in America. We've talked about that. And now I read an article in um, Architectural Digest that it it is the new hot item to put in your at your home, a pickleball court, you know, <laughs> so you can have your own pickleball parties because it's easy to play. Right. That Maybe sounds super not, loud. A late even night. Even if pickleball. you're not good, you can scream with joy. That's the thing about pickleball, right? Okay. It's sort of encouraged to be loud. So it's the opposite of tennis, where it's like, please don't make any noise. Oh. You know, speak quietly. No, it's the complete opposite. Every shot, people yell and scream, and oh, the crowd's cheering because people sort of round robin it and they wait on the side of the court to get in. Uh-huh. That's why a lot of people are watching and joining in. So I can see it would be 
annoying in the same way that it would be, you know, just a leap to live next to like a very uh, busy public basketball court or, mm-hmm. or a know, shooting be, range, you know, that yeah, could or imagine be, yeah, yeah. Foot, high school football game every night would be kind of a pain. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just am sad that once I knew this would happen, once we started talking about pickleball, we'd have to talk about it every week. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can never it's talk so about it again. This oh, was no. front page news though. No, I know. I mean, it would be a big deal. I, I can see why it would be super annoying. Okay. And it's because it's new. You can't say, well, you moved in and you knew there was a pickleball court next door. They're yeah. converting all these public tennis courts to pickleball courts. Right. So I would be on the, yes, I'd be on the lookout for what your neighbors are doing in their backyard. Uh, Cause uh, perhaps they're putting in a pickleball court, you know, <laughs> here's, a, here's, here's another good detail than a swimming pool. Okay. <laughs> Just keep that in mind. Here's another good detail. So apparently it gets up to like 80 or 85 decibels, which is a lot louder than tennis or basketball or anything else. And it says extended exposure to 80 decibel noise can cause hearing damage. It's equivalent to hearing a freight train from just under 50 feet away, according to a Purdue University study. So Purdue University is on it. The pickleball, getting to the bottom of the pickleball problem. Um, Anyway. Pickleball. I feel like we're going to have to have a spin-off podcast with all pickleball discussions <laughs> yes. from now on. That's a great idea, Liam. <laughs> right, maybe some kind of pickleball summit. Bring the <laughs> bring the warring parties together. Come on, we have plenty of things that are worth fighting over. Is pickleball one of them? I, I think we can find common ground on pickleball. Yes. All right. Well, speaking of trivial follow-ups, I also have one, Liz. Uh, You'll remember in the fall when I was invited to an online wine tasting with John Bon Jovi by my my grocery store. Okay. So it was so deep into the pandemic that I had turned over my social life to Gelson's grocery store. And I had a, what could only be described as a late night wine tasting with John Bon Jovi, uh, because he has a rosé brand called Hampton Water that he started with his 26-year-old son. So there's JBJ in his kitchen in New Jersey, and here's Leanne Dolan in her back office in Pasadena, California, because my husband was not interested in drinking wine with John Bon Jovi. So I felt like it was a highlight of 2021 for me. So imagine- That says a lot, Leanne. I mean, that's- That's how bad. It, okay, sorry, I didn't mean that because John Bon who doesn't love John Bon Jovi. No. So imagine my surprise this week when I got another invitation to have a wine tasting with John Bon Jovi. So I feel like this is officially our second date, which is pretty exciting. <laughs> You're definitely on a VIP list, no doubt. Liam. Who well, wouldn't be here- excited? Here's the crazy thing, Julie. It's from another grocery store. So <laughs> I don't know. Can is- I just that is a subset of the universe. Okay. We, we talked about the pickleball nation, but the group of women that are, that are have multiple grocery stores drinking wine with John Bon Jovi. That's. That thank, is, you. thank you. I thank you for acknowledging that. I I'm, I'm proud of me. And this is the note I got from John today. Oh, just reminding me about our date tomorrow night. Looking forward to meeting you online for this amazing experience, John Bon Jovi. So I, I wow. 
very excited about this. It's so nice that he reached out to you personally like that. <laughs> it is. And I'm going to look better this time than I did last time. I really didn't dress up, but I feel like date number two, I got to, I got to really up it a notch. So, up a notch. Um, so there you go. Date number two with JBJ. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Vaughn. Thank you, Vaughn, <laughs> for bringing us together. <laughs> Okay, well, speaking of food and cooking and grocery stores, I wanted to do a special salute on today's show to um, Mama Capra. Now, many of you who watch Cooking with Liz, you know that the winner in what year was that? I don't even remember. I don't know. I don't know what season, but she was a winner. Yes. I think it was the winner in 2020 on the the uh, sauce of the summer contest uh, was Mama Capra's marinara sauce. And I did several Cooking with Liz episodes with Mama Capra's son, Mark, who is a very dear friend of mine, teaching me how to make his mama's marinara sauce. Well, Mama Capra passed away last week at the age of 96. She had a great life. As, as Mark wrote in the Facebook page, those of you who got to know her knew that Virginia was one of the strongest people you could meet. She could be stubborn and opinionated, but had a great capacity for love and kindness and acceptance. And that is all true. Mama Capra, you know, a great life. So I just had a chance to see her in November. I was there visiting. Mama Capra lived with Mark um, most of the last 25 years of her life. So I did get a chance to see her and we got all caught up and that was nice. I was also at her, I was a special guest at her 90th birthday party. Uh, But the thing I remember most about Virginia is that at one point, Mark and his mama, they were living in Brazil, in Sao Paulo. And I went to Brazil to visit Mark and Mama lived like in the downstairs apartment. So I got there, blah, 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 saying hi to Mark. And I, I said, well, can I go downstairs and say hello to your mom? And he said, no, you can't. She's, um, she's at the horse track with her caregiver. <laughs> <laughs> and so there you go. Virginia Capra, Mama Capra, we love you and we miss you already. You guys know Mark, so you just know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, they had a very special relationship. And I loved that he said in his the writing about his mom that she loved having younger friends. Yeah. That that's what kept her young is that she's always had younger friends. And we've heard that from other, other, you know, yeah. older people that having younger friends makes a big difference in your attitude. And mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. wonderful to see all the beautiful photos of her. So yeah. Liz, what do you have planned then for cooking? with? So, Liz? so this week on cooking with Liz, I was going to do a new recipe. But I'm not going to do that. This week on Cooking with Liz, I'm going to make Mama Capra's marinara just because we love you, Virginia. And you did win sauce of the summer. It is. is, And it is a delicious sauce. Delicious. Uh, I made it just just a couple of weeks ago and I was thinking about her. And uh, I think that is a great way to remember her. Let's all make her sauce. Yes. So the the. 
you know, all the Cooking with Liz episodes are posted on the Satellite Sisters YouTube channel now. So you can go there. And if you just search on um, Mama Capra's Marinara, it was three episodes I did on the sauce. And then there was also a special episode when the sauce won Sauce of the Summer. So I'm going to link all of those into the Satellite Sisters Facebook group to make it extra easy for people who live in the Facebook universe, not the YouTube universe. But everyone should, you know, I don't know, go over to the YouTube universe and check out Mama Capra's Marinara. Um, so that's wow, she had a four episode arc. She did. They say in the TV she did. And in the third episode where, you know, Mark is evaluating how well I did, I believe you can kind of hear Mama Capra in the background telling me that the pieces of basil I right. put in the sauce were too large, right, Julie? Too big. I remember that. Yes. Too big. So I was getting live advice from Mama Capra, but from off camera. So Virginia, we love you. We miss you. All right. That sounds fun. Uh, that's cooking with Liz this week. When we return, um, Julie's going to catch us up on some of the news of the day. Stay with us. Leon and Julie here from Satellite Sisters, and you know we love pros. Pros is the custom hair care system that is truly made to order, and we are big proponents of pros here at Satellite Sisters. Thank you, pros, for supporting us and for supporting our hair goals. I mean, Julie, I am trying to get my hair in shape for my book tour, which starts in a little bit. I am going to be out and about. I'm going to be walking into rooms. I've got to get going. i got to make sure the hair looks good because people are looking what do you think, Jill? Give me your honest assessment of my my pros progress. Leon, I'm looking at your hair on the screen and it looks great. It's it's full of body, it's bouncy. Whoa, look at that. Just when you zhuzh it up like that, it's amazing. I mean, you don't have any of that dryness you used to have in your hair, you know? Uh you make me a little jealous, Leon. You got some good looking hair going there. Thank you. You know what? I have seen a giant difference since I've been on the whole pros regime. I take the hair vitamins that are, you know, specifically prescribed for me. Uh, they, I took the hair quiz. They analyzed my hair type. They know where I live. They know uh, in terms of the weather. They know how, how often I go swimming. They know this. They know that. I take the vitamins. I use the shampoo, the conditioner, the post uh, leave-in conditioner when I'm in a really dry place or it's the winter season. And I do think I'm making a lot of progress. Thank you, Julie. I, I appreciate that. Uh, if you want to make progress with your hair, check out Pros. Custom made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 50% off your first subscription order today. Plus, 15% off and free shipping every subscription order after that. Okay, so that's great. 50% off your first subscription order plus 15% off and free shipping every subscription order after that. Go to pros.com slash sisters. And pros, you know, is P-R-O-S-E. Pros.com slash sisters for your free in-depth hair consultation and 50% off your first subscription order. Thanks, pros. Thanks for my hair. Leon and Julie here from Satellite Sisters, and we want to thank our friend Jenny Kane. Hi, Jenny. We love <laughs> Jenny Kane. We know you know it's a California brand through and through, and we love their staples because it makes getting dressed so easy. Minimalist, effortless, but totally refined. And hello, Julie Dolan. That's kind of you. Minimalist, effortless, and totally refined. What have you been wearing from Jenny Kane this week? 
Leon, I love the cocoon cardigan. It's perfect for the hot again, cold again weather we're having. You know, this is sweater weather. And you can just pop on that cardigan. And even if you're wearing something schlumpy underneath, all of a sudden you look elevated and you're ready to go. You look minimalist. Ever listen totally refined when you wear the cocoon cardigan? Yes, I do, Leanne. Uh, I get compliments on it, too, because it's just the perfect thing to put on. Well, that's why we love Jenny Kane, is that everything is beautifully designed and really flatters the wearer. So we want to encourage you to check out everything over at JennyKane.com. You're going to find your new uniform. What is it that you want to put on that just perks up your your presentation? Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off their first order when they use code SISTERS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at JennyKane.com. And Jenny Kane is spelled J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E. JennyKane.com, promo code SISTERS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Thanks, Jenny. Okay, Julie, we're glad to have you here uh, as our as our Russian expert. What's going on? What do we need to know well, this week? Well, you know, I just had such it's such sleepless nights this week, without a doubt, watching what's unfolding in the Ukraine. And I believe me, the night they the Russians captured that uh, nuclear reactor, I just I don't think I slept in a, a wink. I was that was terrifying I, to see that on the news. Really. That was just awful, and every day reveals more awful things. My husband and I, who who lived in we lived in Russia for a little over five years, we obviously have been following it very closely, and. You know, he was um, talking about it because he did business in Russia and he was saying, you know, it was very interesting how Russians negotiate every business interaction he ever had with Russians. The Russians always did it the same way. Their negotiating strategy was we win or the deal is all off. That was, I mean, I mean, to the point so where there's no win-win. No, not- no win-win, Liz. No, no, no art of compromise. No, no art of negotiation. I mean, you know, it didn't matter who the Russian was or what the deal was or what the terms of the deal was. You know, it was the Russians win uh, or, you know, the deal was over. And unfortunately, I, I think that's very insightful of what's going on uh, with Putin, you know, that, mm-hmm. you know, he had certain demands for what he wanted to happen in Ukraine. He didn't yeah, get yeah. those demands. And so now uh, now he is trying to destroy the country in the same way that he did, you know, in Chechnya, uh, the same or, you know, in Syria that yeah, and yeah. that, you know, and paradoxically, the more the Ukrainians are successful in repelling the Russians, I think the worse it is for them in terms of, you know, Putin is Damage just to their country. Yeah. 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 So hmm. uh, that is a hard one, but it, you know, helps to understand that point, his point of view, because yeah, that yeah. is that. Uh, so I don't hold up much hope for the peace negotiations. I'm very worried about all the refugees and their ability to create safety co- corridors. You know, um, I'm also watching very closely, along with my you know daughter-in-law, um, who is from Kyrgyzstan, uh, like the anti-war protesters in Russia. And as of a couple of days ago, the Russians had arrested over 10,000 
Russians. I mean, that- now, did that surprise you? Because I think you said when you live there, like protests were very small and very rare about any rare rare i mean we lived our apartment in moscow was just off a ring road where the um they had a designate the russians had a designated spot for protests and so we've seen some of those in when we were there and there'd be like 10 people and there'd be like 200 russian police or army people and then so they'd have their protests and they you know many times they were arrested i mean these protesters are getting arrested for treason okay they're not they, it's not the same system of justice they're not being released after posting bail or anything they're probably still in prison so these are large numbers of of russians that are coming forward to say that this war is over but that you know, takes that, incredible bravery. It does. Uh, I mean, this that. is yeah. This is you know you're going to jail. You know that you are going to suffer, and most likely your family is going to suffer the consequences of this. So, but yet there are a lot of Russians that see Putin as some kind of savior, and that is hard to believe. But that's really what's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that you know everyone wants to say this is his plan all along. My daughter-in-law said, you know, there are other Russians that really support this plan. This plan is too complicated that one person could have could do the whole thing. So there are other people in Russia that are responsible for all this destruction. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I mean, the Russians have a tremendous sense of nationality. OK, you know, I when we lived there, like with the snow and ice, if I slipped and fell on the sidewalk, lizardly and I mean, Uh, Without a doubt, people would just step over me or step on me. You know, it wasn't it's just not. No, it's just not the kind of place where people would like, oh, can I help you or, you know, um, and I think this harkens back to the Soviet Union days where, you know, that's how you got ahead in a communist country by ratting on your neighbors. Like, you know, if they were doing something, even if they weren't doing something, if you could turn your neighbors in, it might mean you got a slightly better apartment or, you know. Yeah, well, they certainly something. pitted people against each other for decades and decades. So you can understand why the normal sense of community that we are used to didn't develop. You, you, you know, in the beginning, you heard the same thing about East Germany when, right. you know, uh, when the Berlin Wall fell for the East Germans after years of being ruled by Stasi is very hard for them to develop that sense of community. Right. And trust. Uh- Yes. But now, you know, this is, I think, a very important viewpoint to understand that for the Russians, they feel they're being attacked. Okay, they are now defending Mother Russia. Okay, obviously, that's not that's inaccurate. I mean, that they they started this invasion, but it doesn't matter. All these sanctions, all the difficulties that are not only on Russia, but all the former satellite countries are feeling the impact of of these economic sanctions that are going on because it's shutting down business. It's shutting down the ability to get capital. So it's impacting a lot of everyday people in Mm -hmm. addition to Putin and his oligarch cronies. Um, One of the people that we met very early on when we were living in Moscow was a political scientist and head of the Eurasia group, Ian Bremmer. Oh, God, you see him on the news all the time. Okay. 
Everybody's favorite talking head expert about Russia. He is. He has a lot of experience about that. Um, he when We met him. He was just starting his consulting business, providing geopolitical um, information to uh, companies doing business in you know the Eurasian part of the world. Uh, and he said something very interesting this week. He said, even though we don't think the U.S. doesn't think we're at war, we're doing everything we can to avoid going to war. Russia thinks we're at war with them. You know, how does that work? I don't even understand that. Meaning that they are going to continue to attack, Leanne, because they feel that we're at war. That it means that they may expand the war in order because because it's the U.S. They feel that that all of these sanctions and all of these, you know, the hardships that we're putting on the Russian people, this Mm -hmm. is a form of attack. The missile, you know, whatever we're providing in terms of arms to the Ukrainian, again, these are, you know, we're at war. So, um, oh, my God, I don't I know. It's just a very worrisome situation. Uh, I do think Ian Bremer, if you want to follow him at Twitter at at Ian Bremer and Liz will have. That I'll put that in the show notes. Okay. Show notes. At Ian Bremer. He, he's got some very good inf- information. So, OK, so you can follow Julie and you can follow Ian Bremer. <laughs> there you go. I don't know how much more we can do for you people. OK, and if you're not in, if you just can't stand any more of this, you can follow me at Leanne Dolan because I, <laughs> I I am not a geopolitical expert. <laughs> so thanks, Julie. You just must think about it all the time. All the time. But anyway, thanks for your yeah. thanks for your perspective. Wow. Who would have ever thought like just who would have ever? Okay. Well, I mean, history teaches us a lot of lessons, Liz. And so if you take a look at history, I mean, Europe's been at war a lot <laughs> over right. the last, I don't know, 1300 years. So it's, mm-hmm. it does kind of, it, it, it isn't that surprising. It's just surprising in our lifetime. I think that's, that's what it is, but it's not that surprising. Speaking of history, I mean, this is a little bit of a tough turn, but um, you know, I love National Geographic and I subscribe to the magazine. I enjoy sort of putting together history and anthropology and archaeology and pictures of big tigers. And I, that's why <laughs> like looking it's the total package for you, National Geographic. Uh, but um, there was a really interesting piece by Emily Martin. And remember the pandemic that we had? Oh, yeah. last I, week? I mean, that's yeah. amazing. Putin has really ended the pandemic. Hasn't yeah. he? Nobody's talking about it. Right. Right. Well, the the title of this article was The Lesson Learned from the 1918 Flu Fatigue, According to Historians. And what's happening now in this country is almost exactly what happened in 1918. You know, you hear about that flu, 1918, a million people died. Mm -hmm. But honestly, historians do not know when the flu ended or what happened. And you know why? Because people got tired of the coverage, they got tired of talking about it, and the flu carried on past class 1920. We sort of hear about the first yeah. round and the second wave, and we all knew this two years ago when we started studying pandemics again. But it kind of petered out because coverage petered out, and because in 1918 or 1919, 1920, there were no long-term studies about how it started, why it ended what happened to it, like people just got exhausted from talking about the flu. So one of the only actual like documents in book form about what happened to the pandemic of 1918 is Catherine Ann Porter's novella, which I think we all read in high school, (laughs) Pale Horse, Pale Rider. Which yeah. I oh yes, I think we did that in high school. I yeah. 
So flu historians, and they, they exist, ladies and gentlemen, flu historians, they turn to that book as sort of what the actual experience of the flu was like, because everybody else was just wiped out talking about the flu. They wow. didn't even... The U.S. government didn't even fund any studies in 1920. Like there was a bill like we should figure out what happened and get to the bottom of this and prevent, you know, future pandemics. Nope, didn't get passed. The bill didn't get passed. And the flu just sort of petered out in terms of people's attention span, attention. Not in terms of actual flu. So I thought that was shocking. Okay. And I think if you had said that to us two years ago, we'd be like, that's crazy. And, and you can feel it now. Flu fatigue. Yeah. We got it. Yeah. We got yeah. it here. There so, should be um, some kind of whistle that it's all over. Is this how it's just saying? Yeah. No, no, that's not what I, I don't think it's over. I, I think don't think that's on flu's end. No, I, whistle. No, I, you can blow the whistle, but I don't, I don't think it's actually over. But I think the big difference is historians in this article are saying is that this time around, we are actually putting in place, we documenting it and studying mm-hmm. it and, you know, funding like research to prevent the next pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's a big difference yes. between the last time around and this time around. So that's the good, you know, okay. there's no good news in COVID-19. There's no good news in this pandemic, except that like measures are being taken now so that it doesn't just disappear from history. Like mm-hmm. historians are saying it, that flu has just disappeared from history other than like some newspaper articles. That's all they got, which is kind of shocking when you think about yeah. it, because it was only a hundred years ago. I know. <laughs> I guess. I guess humans haven't changed that much. No, we it's, have not changed that much. But you know, we no. can change a little. But it's you know a little bit like the wars in Europe. There have been a lot of wars in Europe. Yeah. Just yeah. a lot, you know. And we have been lucky in our generation not to experience. It, but that's yeah. not what history tells us. So. Anyway, just okay. thought that was interesting. Uh, lots always to see in National Geographic, but this article struck me. Okay. Well, you know, it is International Women's Day, and there have been a lot of um, very hopeful, incredible acts um, with, the, with the conflict in uh, the Ukraine. But one picture really stuck out to me um, this week, sisters, and I know it was all over the place. It was a picture in a train station in Poland, and it was of strollers lined up. And this was Polish mothers were donating their strollers to the Ukrainian refugees that were coming across the border because they knew that was mostly women and children and that these young children, the babies, they were going to need a stroller. And did you, did you see that picture? Oh, it's it such me a out. heartbreak. Just, I mean, like on the one hand, so positive, like just what a beautiful gesture. Well, yeah. And so many of them did it. On the other hand, what a heartbreak yes. that this is what's happening. Yeah, it is. But that mothers helping other mothers, I thought was really beautiful. And I know there are lots of other acts of generosity and kindness that are going on to help um, the now over 2 million refugees coming out of Ukraine. So um, in our prayers and in our thoughts. Thank you, Julie. Thank you. Hi, all. It's Leanne Dolan from Satellite Sisters. And you know what my definition of self-care is? Any product from OseaMalibu.com. That's right. We love the beautiful body care products at OseaMalibu.com. And we love that they've supported Satellite Sisters for a long time. That's how it works. The sponsors support us. You support the sponsors. We continue to produce Satellite Sisters content for you. And you know what? We do it with really great looking skin. 
This is the year of Andaria Algae Body Butter. If you have not tried this amazing product yet, 2024 is your year because Andaria Algae Body Butter is Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable product. It makes a glowing choice for achieving your new year body care and self-care goals. I got to tell you, you put this stuff on. First of all, we've said it before, you want to eat it. Secondly, you put it on, it makes your skin feel so smooth and hydrated and that lasts for days. You know, have you ever had a beauty product that kind of fades out and an hour later you're like, what happened there? Not the case with the famous Andaria Algae Body Butter. It's not your typical body butter and that's why it works better. It's made with ingredients that's normally reserved for your face like the Andaria seaweed and the ceramides and it can transform your dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft and supple. So make it happen in 2024. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Mosia. Right now, we have a special discount just for our satellite sisters and misters. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code SATSISTERS at OseaMalibu.com. You get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head over to OseaMalibu.com and use code SATSISTERS for 10% off. We are so happy at Satellite Sisters to have BritBox as a sponsor. You know, we love it. It's the streaming home of the best British television with exclusive mysteries, crime dramas, comedies, documentaries, and more. Julie, what's your fave? Vera, I love this show. I'm on season 11. I mean, Brenda Blethyn is such a great actress. And the character Liz Vera, I don't know if you've watched it, but she's essentially Margaret Thatcher in a trench coat, okay? (laughs) She is bossing people around and solving crime. I love her. Okay, well, I want to especially recommend Archie. Archie's a brand new limited series. It's starring Jason Isaacs as Archie Leach. Who is he? He's the man who became Harry Grant. And oh. you know what's so interesting about this is it's sort of about how he became a star in old Hollywood, how he went from being Archie Leach to being Cary Grant. But also because it's him growing up in old Hollywood, there are a lot of people in the in the movie playing Doris Day, Grace Kelly, George Burns. It's little snapshots of what it was like to become a movie star back in the day. So I really enjoyed it and recommend. So sign up for BritBox today to stream Archie and any other fan favorites from any device you have. So we have a special limited time offer. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for the monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use our promo code SISTERS at checkout. Got it? Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Use promo code SISTERS at BritBox.com. Okay, we're back. We're the Satellite Sisters. Um, Hey, I have, I know, some book tour news. Just want to announce to the people on Long Island that I will be in Oyster Bay, Long Island. So, uh, you know, this book tour for me for Lost in Paris kicks off uh, April 6th at Romans in Pasadena. Um, And then it goes for about six weeks. Now, this is, I just want to be clear. This is a self-funded DIY book tour. So... (laughs) the best kind means your heart's really in it nobody's forcing you to do it leanne you're doing it out of love 
<laughs> so if it seems like some random locations I'm appearing, it's basically where can I get free room and board and <laughs> still reach a mass number of people. So that's why they're, you know, Northern California, I'm staying with the college roommate, Connecticut, I'm staying with friends. And then out in Long Island, I'm staying with um, my brother, Jim and his wife, Mary, but I will be at Theodore's Books in Oyster Bay, Long Island on May 15th. It's a Sunday at 1 p.m. So I know we have satellite sisters out on the island. Some of you have already said you're coming. Fantastic. Just spread the word. So that's what's happening. That's okay. one of my appearances. Good. Long Island. I love it. Yeah, I know. It'll be fun. I'm looking, I'm just looking forward to the whole thing. Well, and that's why I had to plan all the travel this week. So that's why I was looking at all these travel stories and Uh a lot of them were popping up, but basically I've had this flight credit from fall of 2019 Yes, because of the pandemic, they just kept rolling over. So I thought I better make those plans now. And I looked up, there was an article, uh, I think it was in the New York Times about should you use your travel miles now? I'm just going to sum it up in one word. Yes. Oh, use yes. all. Yes. Why are yes. they just going to wipe them out? Yeah. They're changing. You know, let's face it. All the airlines have lost tons of money. They, they've been as generous as they can with rolling over things and extending credit. But that's going to start to dry up now. They said that all these numbers are going to start to change. You used to be able to get a ticket for 20,000 miles. Now you're going to need 50,000 miles. Like if you want the most from your miles, use them now. We haven't been flying a lot, but we've been charging a lot on credit cards and getting miles that way, according to the article. So, so go for it. Do not hesitate. So that's exactly what fuel costs are going up too, Leon. So price of of airline tickets undoubtedly will too. Yeah. So use those. Even if we just book it now, it's not like we have to go somewhere right away, but we could like use some miles to book it. You need to go back to the gym. (laughs) Clear. It's clear where you're going to be. With your light on, okay, and your hair done, okay. Stop, stop. <laughs> okay, all right. Sorry, just go I'm wherever teasing. you want to go. Just book. Use the miles now. Do okay. not save them for. Oh, maybe in three years. Just book them. I yeah. I'm using okay. miles for rental cars and hotels and all kinds of things. So um, so I, I was inspired by that. I want to inspire other people. All right, another good food story I saw, and this comes from Fodor's Travel, and it's 10 smaller cities with surprisingly good food scene. And I like that, just that little slam in the headline, surprisingly good food scene. You know, people- That's so snobby. Yeah. These food writers, like who would have ever thought there could be something decent to eat in? And they name perfectly- Tallahassee, Liz. Tallahassee Tallahassee. is one of them. Yeah, I bet they have some good barbecue there. Yep. I'm not surprised. You know, so here's kind of an interesting niche they looked at, though. A lot of these towns that they name are also college towns. And they said, said there's kind of an overlap with college towns because there's a lot going on. It's a desirable place to live. People coming in from different, you know, states, different countries to so teach. So it's and- the other people that are moving into the college towns that's making the food good. <laughs> the, the actual sort of local food is still the same. <laughs> Julie, excellent point. All right. I'm just saying some of these are college towns. All right. So I'm going to give you a couple, but we'll have the link to this. I'll spread it around. It's in Fodor's and there's some unexpected choices here. Um, And I say that with love in my heart because one is where I used to live. So, um, okay. Greenville, South Carolina. All right. Greenville. Sounds like they have a lot of things happening now. So what can we eat there? Yeah, you can eat, uh, let's see, uh, they they have a lot of um, fresh seasonal ingredients and they have a place called Swamp Rabbit Cafe. 
and the Swamp Rabbit Trail. Now, I don't know what a swamp rabbit is, so please weigh in, Greenville, South Carolina. I'm sure some, I'm kind of afraid at what a swamp rabbit may be. Does not sound delicious, Leanne. That does not sound delicious. But this sounds fun, okay? Swamp Rabbit Trail is a well-loved grocery store that moonlights as a dance club most Thursday nights. Leanne, that's right up your alley. I mean, when do I get the John Bon Jovi, you know, (laughs) invitation? To Swamp Rabbit Trail. I mean, a grocery store that becomes a dance club. Julie, that's, that's my dream. I know, I mean, that's, Leanne. That's, that's, your, that's your winning business concept right there. Okay. So they have a lot of James Beard nominated restaurants for every palette. It claims Fodor's. That's in, uh, that is in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay. What about Eau Claire, Wisconsin? I feel like we have some listeners probably mm, sure from we do. Eau Claire. Yeah. So they have a little bit of everything there. They have fine dining. They have first generation Mexican and Hmong fare. They have food trucks and they have a fr- thriving field to table movement led by Farm Table Foundation. Okay. That incorporates you know, farms all over the place, you know, bringing them together, getting the food uh, to the restaurants. So that sounds fantastic. And did you know this about um, Wisconsin, ladies and gentlemen? I'm sure that- the answer is already no, I didn't. <laughs> is, my answer is cheese. Because <laughs> I, I was just looking up Eau Claire on the Maps app on my phone. Like, where is that? Okay, go ahead. What else didn't I know? Well, well they have a, a lot of craft breweries. But Liz, the... Uh, the unofficial state cocktail is the Wisconsin old fashioned. And oh, so uh, okay. there's a must try at the Lakely. So if you're a local, let us know. Are the old fashions at the Lakely fantastic? So that sounds good. Okay. Um, all right. I'll admit that. Oh, clear, met- by the way, is not, not far from Menominee or Chippewa Falls. So okay. Sounds nice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. I have never understood the name of this particular college town, Bloomington Normal. You know, when you see that, I guess it's two towns, really, Bloomington Uh and Normal. Mm -hmm. Who who names a town Normal? I don't know. But all all you need to know, of course, they have a a university here. It is a university town. They have Korean, Indian, Mexican, Thai, and everything in between. But check out this product at the Rop Jersey Cheese Farm, okay? They have fresh cheese curds, queso farm-raised meat, ice cream, and other farm-to-fork products. Mm. Delish. That place sounds great. Great. Yes. Let's go. Yes. Okay. And then we're just going to do one more because there are 10, but this is where I used to live. Jackson Hole, Wyoming is on the list. So thank you very much. I am sad to say that the mangy moose, where I served a lot of fine fillets and prime ribs, did not make the list. list. Well, that is kind of après-ski food, not really fine dining, right? Yeah, no, there's, I mean, I hope that salad bar still exists, Liz, because it had some year old chickpeas on it and they were tasty. <laughs> but anyway, I think the food has gotten a lot better there, but it did include the vintage million dollar cowboy steakhouse, which I oh, think yeah. has the same salad bar as the, as the mangy moose. But anyway, I guess they could only pick one old fashioned, <laughs> the Jackson Hole. An old fashioned place with old food on the salad bar. Yes. Or a lot of old okay. ingredients. All right. So a lot of other good, fun shout outs on this list. Um, okay. How about if your travels include, um, oh, it's making, sorry, it's making me put in my email address okay. to go to this. <laughs> oh, so this was the other story you had about good sites related to women's history, right? Yes. Which is, this would be a good organizing factor for like a road trip through some parts of the I know that would be great. So, 
I'm very interested in this. Okay. So I, now I had to enter my email address. So now I'll be getting um, emails from the travel curator. <laughs> my goodness. Okay. Uh, okay. So it's women's history month. We all know that now how about finger lakes, New York. Okay. So it's in that area with Seneca falls, New York. Right. Of course that it's was supposed to be a beautiful spot. Yes. It is beautiful, but did you know, like there are a lot of other interesting women that settled around there. And so they have homes and museums and tours. Harriet Tubman settled in Auburn. Matilda Jocelyn Guy Gage's Fayetteville house was the stop on the Underground Railroad. Of course, Susan B. Anthony resided in Rochester. Elizabeth Cady Stanton, uh, center of the rebellion is in Seneca Falls. There's actually a National Women's Hall of Fame. I feel like I probably knew that at one point, but mm -hmm. I did not know that for sure, until I read this article. So 300 inductees. You know what, Leon? I think it's because in an episode of Veep, she goes there. Oh, that's right. Remember? Oh, that was a fun. Oh, yeah. There's a hilarious episode whose okay. Julia Louis-Dreyfus as the Veep shows up in Seneca Falls. Okay, that's right. Okay. All right. So there's some good insider tips about like just uh, supporting all women-owned food, restaurant, and hotels too in the area. So that looked great. All right, Julie, this one is for you because I know you love it. The National Cowgirl Museum and Hall of Fame there in Fort Worth, Texas, where uh, we went. I love that. I love it. I it's part of my tour when people come to visit. I like to go to that museum. It's very inspiring. You really get into the sp spirit of cowgirls and they have a great gift shop as well. So that is really you can't beat that combo. Julie, I don't know if you know, but they just did a five million dollar renovation, too. Yes, so, I, I'm aware okay. of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so when when you come back to, right. uh, to Dallas or Liz, if you come to Dallas, yes. Okay. Yeah, it was really fun. It was cool. Uh -huh. I loved it. And then uh, the last spot I want to tell you about is New Hope, Pennsylvania. Okay. Oh, I love New Hope. Yes, I lived. Oh. I used to uh, early in my career. I live very close to New Hope, Pennsylvania, Leon. Okay. Well, this whole thing just this whole story just delighted me. Apparently, in the '60s, there was an American actress named Odette Mertile that lived in New Hope. She was a vivacious Auntie Mame type. And she, <laughs> okay, stick with me here. And she opened a popular club, restaurant, and inn called Shea Odette, okay? So now there's been a new edgy boutique hotel in her honor, and they pay homage to Odette with a lobby piano bar, and they have a special rooftop bar, and they have a special cocktail, and there's also like a free museum based around her, and all kinds of, you know, fun nightclub events happening around this uh, French-American actress, Odette Murchil. I would like that when I go. I would like it. That seems like a wonderful women's weekend uh, yeah. opportunity there that you could take, go with your girlfriends, your book club, your running club. That sounds really fun, Liam. Yeah, so, go to that rooftop I, bar. And yeah, I was going to say all historical sites should have a rooftop bar. <laughs> I think that would increase visitation a lot. Okay. And you know, this leads me right into what uh, what I wanted to contribute about what is now the perfect souvenir. So you want to go on one of these wonderful foodie trips or women's history trips, but you don't want to come back with a refrigerator magnet, right? That's those are, those are done or a tea towel. Those aren't going to work. You know, what is the new, the new thing is to get a tattoo. A oh. tattoo right like now 30... on your vacation. At yes, the place that's your that's your souvenir, Liz. You get a tattoo while you're on vacation of the location or something to commemorate the experience that you're having on your trip. How great is that? 
30% of people in America have, have tattoos. It is no longer some huge rebellion thing to do. You know, people do it all the time. I mean, Leanne, you're heading up to the uh, Northwest or Liz, you go all the time. Do you know there's a um, hotel in um, Seattle, the, the Thompson Hotel? They have a tattoo artist at the hotel. So you want to go to Seattle and enjoy the fish market and do Seattle things? Then you get yourself a Seattle tattoo. What do you think? Sure. Um, nice look, okay, I'll do it after you do it, Julie. Yeah. Uh, you know I'm not going to do this, but Liz, <laughs> there is, even if you go on the Virgin Cruises, okay, yeah, tattoo yeah. artist on the boat, okay? So, like, the, how about that? Like, on your next trip to the Galapagos, Liz, you can get a little <laughs> sea turtle. Wouldn't that be good? You might. Okay. I mean, you can All see right. why people do it. It's more meaningful, perhaps, yes. you know? I mean... Uh, you, your body and getting could, those stupid braids in your hair on the beach. <laughs> exactly. You know, you're not going to do that. You're not getting the refrigerator magnet. You know, you're not getting the henna on your hands. Okay. Yes. Do something. Now it's a little, you know, you gotta be, you gotta be smart. According to this article in the wall street journal, you know, got to sort of suss out who is a reputable tattoo artist versus that you really, you know, about, you know, how, how good they are. And in this article, they recommend that you go to a bar. And if you see people with good tattoos, just ask them where they got their tattoos as a source. <laughs> Again, of- I'm really having trouble imagining Julie Dolan doing this. <laughs> the whole thing. The, <laughs> the whole thing. It's not happening. I'm not going to the bar in Seattle. I'm not going to the cruise. I'm not staying at a hotel. But good I, recommendation. Not- Somebody's going to do it. Yeah, somebody, I, I would like to know, okay, if you've done this, I'd like to know, you know, what kind of tattoo did you get? What was the purpose? What were you thinking? How, how's it all working out? That's what I want to know. Okay. All right. Whew, that's funny. Okay. All right. So here we are. It's time for entertaining sisters. I have two podcasts I would like to recommend this week. The first one is a new eight part series by the journalist, Claire Malone. And if Claire's name sounds familiar, it's because she used to be a contributor to 538 to that podcast. Um, she's a, so she's a political journalist, but also covers a lot of other things. And now she's now she writes for The New Yorker. But this is an eight part series that she did for The Ringer, which is a podcast network. And it's called Just Like Us, The Tabloids That Changed America. And it's just really fun and really interesting. She goes into it sort of her obsession as a teenager, uh, you know, reading us and people. This is before the whole Internet age of uh, celebrity uh, news. And she sort of goes behind the scenes of the original celebrity obsession, you know, which really was uh, who was it? Benefer, she says, is really the first big celebrity news obsession but she sort of takes you through how our media has transformed how our gender politics have changed because you know it's shocking when you look back at some of this stuff these 16 year old girls being hounded by the media and being judged and the things we thought were okay in the like early 2000s, which are just so not okay now. So the boom in paparazzi to the rise of reality TV. Anyway, she's very smart and funny. And so it's a very thoughtful series, 
but also very smart and funny. And, and a lot of it is, she said, she just wanted to get to the bottom of how all of this got into her teenage brain. Why is it still stuck in her teenage brain? Not just the celebrities, but the judgments about body type and about what kind of behavior is appropriate from women, things that okay by men. Anyway, it's called Just Like Us, The Tabloids That Changed America. And I'll put a link in the show notes uh, and we'll circulate that around. So that's a really good one, very entertaining. And then the other one is a brand new podcast from Rico Galliano. Now, some of you may remember that Rico was my co-host on our workplace advice show, Safe for Work. Some of you may remember that Rico had a long running um, public radio show uh, called The Dinner Party Download. I know many of you are fans of Dinner Party Download, which he did with his co-host, um, uh, Brendan Francis Noonan. But you, what you may not know, the whole Satellite Sisterhood, is that Rico is actually going to be hosting Leon's book party at Romans on, that's April 6th, right, Leon? April 6th, that's 7 p.m. 7 p.m. So Leon will be in conversation with the delightful and charming Rico Galliano. So that's something I would encourage you to go to if you're in the area. But even if you're not, Rico has a new podcast um, about movies. He's a major cinephile. So there's like a streaming service called Mubi, M-U-B-I, that does a lot of international films and some less well-known things. So this is a streaming service you can get on your television, but he's doing a podcast that's all about, you know, some slightly less well-known movies that you might want to know more about. And he brings great love to his conversations of uh, obscure movies. And almost all of these in the first season were movies from other countries that were just big hits in the rest of the world and maybe not so well-known here. So anyway, the name of that podcast is Mubi, M-U-B-I, Mubi. And it's hosted by Rico, who just is always fun to listen to. So mm -hmm. I will also put a link to that. If you, if you really, if you are a cinephile and if you like, you know, movies from all over the world and kind of the history of movies, I think you would really, really like, it's what they call beautiful handpicked cinema. So I recommend that. So Thanks Liz. Go. Those are two good recommendations. Yeah. I already, I just, uh, I just, uh, you know, followed the one from Claire. I love her just like us. I just did that. Liam, uh, you will you. really, you will really enjoy the one by Claire because I know you like her, but also yes. you love magazines. And a yes. lot of it in the beginning is just about magazine culture and the paparazzi boom and us versus people bidding against each other mm. for these crazy pictures of, you know, 15 year old girls. Anyway, so you will enjoy it. Okay, great. Good recommendations, Liz. Um, all right, that's it for Satellite Sisters today. A big thanks to our engineer, Sergio Enriquez. Thank you, Sergio. We appreciate your work. Also, a big thanks to Emily Loudermilk, who is our graphic designer and does fun graphics every week on the show. If you want to see Emily's work, please follow us on Instagram at SatSisters or subscribe to Pep Talk, our daily or weekly daily newsletter. That would, <laughs> that would, do, that would do you in, Liam. Oh, it's, it's excellent every Friday. It comes. <laughs> so yeah. uh, to subscribe to Pep Talk, just head on over to our 
fully loaded uh, SatelliteSisters.com website with tons of stuff there, including the show notes. When people say, where can I find those show notes? <laughs> They're at the website. Go to the podcast page, look at the episode, click on the three dots. All the show notes are there. So, or look at your phone. The show notes are there too, but the show notes are definitely at our website, as is the pep talk sign-in sheet. Uh, so we'd love to have you subscribe to that. Okay. All right. Our to-do list for the week. Um, I'm going to start. I want to remind people that March is uh, colon cancer awareness month. It's pretty sexy. Uh, that's a pretty fun month <laughs> next to women's history month. Who doesn't love colorectal cancer awareness month? Yep. So, but because I had colon cancer and it was discovered on a colonoscopy, a routine colonoscopy, I want to remind you all to get your colonoscopy. If you are, uh, do for that. The recommendations are for age 45 and up now it's going to drop from age 50. So you may be, you may be good to go even before you know it, or if you're due for another 10 year check, please make your appointments. That is my public service announcement for March. Thank you. Jewel, what do you got? Well, I'm going to donate to the International Red Cross. There are a lot of agencies that are helping the Ukrainians. Uh, I think it's a great thing to make a donation to help out. Great. Okay. And this is Liz. And my to-do list is specifically targeted to those of you who live in Northport Village, Long Island, (laughs) 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 which I don't. So I will not be illegally voting in the village trustee election, but our niece, uh, Next Gen Satellite Sister, Megan Dolan, is running for village trustee. The election is March 15th. So, you know, get ready people. Those of you in Northport, you can check out, Megan's got a Facebook page. We are all very jealous of the vote for Dolan buttons that we've seen in photos on the the Facebook page. There's a lot of Dolan, Dolan paraphernalia that we're going to get after the election, I think whatever is left over, but some yard signs. Yeah. I want that yard sign. Just keep up permanently. So yeah. So Megan Dolan for village trustee, we're on board vote March 15th. Uh, if you are a registered voter in Northport, <laughs> Northport Village, Long Island. <laughs> Liz, that's a niche to-do list, but I like it. Yeah. Yeah, fully yeah. approved. Yes. Yes. Fully approved. All right. We're the Satellite Sisters. Sisters, have a great week. You too, you too Leanne. Leanne. And don't forget, call your Satellite Sister. <laughs>